Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete, and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well. But now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm going to have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive. And that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us. Learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm your host, Ashley Agle, and I'm so excited to bring you this episode today. So as you guys might be listening the day before Thanksgiving, I figured it was a good time to go over a gratitude practice that will enhance your everyday life, whether you're an athlete, player, or coach. This is something that I have adopted into my life. I probably could be doing a better job at doing this practice, but it's one that has really changed the game for me. So I want to introduce this practice to you. And I'm also going to give you a little snippet of a live Q&A I recently did about hitting. Now, if you guys have thought about or just realized or noticed, we've been doing a lot of hitting episodes. So we had Rachel Folden on. I shared some of my five favorite hitting tools, five things we should be doing this off season. And we've kind of been around this hitting premise. And there's a reason behind it. We have something really exciting that is going to change the game for hitters coming out January 1. And this is the first time this podcast is hearing about it. Um, I cannot share with you all the details quite yet, but I do know that my newsletter and my email list are the people who find out about things first, other than people inside my academy already. But if you want to know and be the first to know and get access to this thing coming January 1, please go to my website or just the show notes below. My website is www.ashleybetraining.com and sign up for the weekly newsletter. Like I said, you guys are going to hear about it long before everybody else does. And I'm going to give you something really special when it goes live to launch as well. 
So go ahead, maybe pause this episode, run over there so you don't forget. Um, But it's going to be something that's really, really exciting on our part. We're so excited to launch this. And I want to make sure you know it's happening and you get some special surprises if you do so. So like I said, you can head to my website, www.ashleybtraining.com. Or if you just head to the link in my show notes, you can actually sign up for my newsletter with that link itself. So super excited for that. Now let's get to this gratitude practice. So this is something that I didn't come up with. I tried it from a past coach that I had. Um, She's an entrepreneurial coach, but I really was kind of struggling, you know, a little bit for a while, like trying to figure out how am I going to run this business? How am I going to still be a really good hitting coach? How am I going to be able to still inspire my athletes? And this simple practice has always been my go-to if I'm ever kind of like not feeling grateful. Now, here's the deal. It's really easy to feel grateful around Thanksgiving and Christmas because we're around family. We're around positive vibes. We got Christmas trees up. I may or may not have put up my Christmas tree yesterday and I watched white Christmas along with it, but it's kind of easy in this season to, to lean into gratitude just simply because you're around it. But I want to share with you this gratitude practice. It's super simple. And it's something that whether you're a coach player or parent, you can adopt into your lifestyle and it seriously will change the game for you. Now, the simple practice is starting every day. And this is where I could get better at it. I probably only do this four or five times a week when I should be doing it seven. Um, But start every day with writing down three things that you're grateful for in the past 24 hours. So I know that sounds like pretty simple, but, and the reason why you want to think about the last 24 hours is because like you can easily say, well, the sky's blue. Well, it's blue most of the year, except for us people in the Midwest. In the winter, it's not blue all the time. But you want to think about things that are very, you know, recent so that you can actually lean into that sort of gratitude and you're looking for it within the past 24 hours. And that's something that where if you look for the good, you're going to end up finding it more often. If you look for the things that warm your heart, make you smile, you're going to start smiling more. You're going to start helping build up other people more. You're you're going to be in a better posture, a better vibe, <laughs> frankly, if you start looking for the good. So if you actually want to just do this practice right now, pause this episode right now and think of three things in the past 24 hours that have brought you joy. One of those things for me today was obviously putting up my Christmas tree and listening or watching White Christmas, but I want you to think about it. And then once you do it, you're going to actually feel much better, even though you might be in a good mood already, you're going to feel better because simply you're thinking of things that bring you joy. And there's, there's just something about it. That's just absolutely amazing. So I figured it was a good time to share this, especially if you're listening the day before Thanksgiving, it's a, it's a time where we're going to be more grateful just due to the fact of the circumstances and the holidays. But remember you can do this whenever you're feeling low. And actually, this last thing that I want to share with you is something that when you're in a low spot, which we've all been before, this is the best way to get out of it. So the best way to feel good is to help somebody else. If you guys think about times where like you, you were sparked joy when you were feeling sad, maybe making somebody else smile or helping someone in need. It doesn't have to be you're going to a local charity, which I think would be, you know, a amazing way to do it. Maybe you clean out your closet and you donate stuff to Goodwill. Like that's, that's feel good stuff because you know, that's going to go to a better home, a better place. But a way that you can do this 
without having to, you know, sell or give away some of your clothes or things like that is by simply putting a smile on somebody else's face. And here's a way that you can do that. I'm going to challenge everybody listening. And I know some people are going to do it. Some people aren't. But the people that are going to do it are going to feel so good about this is I want you to tell one person that you love or that you admire, that you respect why you are grateful for having them in your life. Last night I had my virtual hitting Academy members. We did a workshop. I had them literally write a note to somebody and tell them that they're grateful for them. But you can simply do this with your words. If you want, you can write a note and go for it. And I'm telling you just that simple action of making somebody feel good with the fact that you appreciate having them in your life and why you're grateful for them. It really kind of changes the game. And, you know, when I saw the smile on my husband's face and I gave him my note, he had a tough day at work and it literally kind of changed how we looked at what we were doing. We were eating dinner and I gave it to him and he was just like, wow, like, thanks. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like somebody that lives across the country. It could just literally be somebody in your home, your brother, your sister, your, um, your friend, your teammate, like whoever. But I'm telling you, the best way to feel good is to help somebody else. So I hope you enjoyed that gratitude practice. Now, I promised you as well, we are going to listen to a little clip of some hitting. So I did a live a few weeks ago, and there were three questions that were asked about hitting and also my approach at the plate. Um, A lot of times when I'm asked these questions, it's like, how do you get out of a slump? How did, what was your approach at the plate? So that's a question that I answer. And I also answer two other hitting questions. So if you're a coach or a parent and you're cueing your athlete, you know, how to fix not rolling over, which is one of the things that we talk about here in a second. Um, But just like simple ways to kind of think about hitting and how to approach hitting when you have like specific, let's say, issues in your swing. So we go over that. And also, I want you to be aware that when we go over these, these drills don't apply to everyone. Okay, so if you have no problem with your roll of like, let's say you're not rolling over and you're actually punching things to opposite field a lot. Well, the first one might not apply to you, but it's good to listen to it so that maybe there will be a day where you're rolling over a little bit more and you'll have a way to work on it. So I pop some drills in here. Um, also, during, while I'm describing it, the people that were live with me could see me, um, and you obviously can't see me, but I want to let you know that I'm going to share a link below of just basically the show notes of the episode and also the video of this live that we did together. So you'll be able to have access to it and be able to kind of see um, the drills and specifically what we want to happen with them as well. So I will be including that in the show notes if you actually want a visual of this, which by the way, will also be up on YouTube if you're interested in that. All right. So let's, let's stop listening to me talk about this thing and let's actually listen to the live where we talk about hitting and approach. All right. I got some questions dropped. Oh, this is the first question that I got on, on Instagram. Like I said, anybody can ask me questions. Uh, okay. First question that I got is how to stop rolling over. Great question. It's a question that I get every week at least. There are multiple drills to help you with this. If you're rolling over, you've probably created a pattern where your body just instinctively gets to, the, gets to contact and, and rolls over right away. Ideally, as hitters, we don't want to just get to contact and come off. So basically, we're shortening the amount of time that our barrel is in the zone. So rolling over would basically tell me that you're probably rolling over and shortening the amount of time that your barrel is in the zone. 
And like any hitting coach could tell you, you want your barrel path, your bat path to be in the zone as long as possible. Okay. Um, you can still get base hits if we roll over early, but I know we want more of like the BBs to center field or the ones that go over the fence or the ones that smash into the fence and make that defense run far. But basically, if you're rolling over a little early, here's a tip that I have for you. First and foremost, I need us, I need you, whoever this is that I'm speaking to, um, to be able to stop at contact on a dime. Okay. I've actually done a hitting progression series on the upper body. Uh, and I did this on my YouTube channel. So if you want this in like further detail than how I'm describing it, and if you want to actually see it done, I recommend going to my YouTube channel. It's Ashley Burkhart training. Um, and I want you to just check out the, I have a lower half progression and upper half progression. Um, actually it might be a core progression technically, but I've done two progressions. It's one of those, but it's where you stop on a dime and you want to check your posture. So basically when you're at contact, we don't want to be too far back into our back legs. We want to have our weight evenly distributed in our legs, our heads over our back knee. Some people, especially pitchers, they call that a stacked position. That same position is what we want to be in when we are hitting, um, especially at contact because we're in a stable position. So if you're in a stable position here and let's say somebody were to and this is obviously not something that could happen in a game, but if they are to pull your barrel, you shouldn't be able to move. You should be locked in, especially in your core and your upper body. So that itself and being palm up, palm down at contact, that's not rolling over, right? Rolling over is when our thumbs face the ceiling, which every single hitter, most hitters, they all get to that position eventually. But the key is you don't want your thumbs to go to the air until after you've made contact and you've finished through the ball, right? Um, so high pitches, we've gone through it, then we can kind of roll over and finish, right? But we want that ball to be able to be like out of the infield before we roll over. And that's an exaggeration, but we definitely don't want to get to contact and then roll over right away because we just took off like, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really good at like how far things go, but we probably just took off at least 50 feet of our hit, if not a hundred, just simply because we rolled over right after contact. So we want to be able to get to contact and then extend through it before we come off. So the hitting progression that I'm talking to you guys about that you can find on my YouTube channel is stop at contact, get really good at being fast and then almost go into a tree trunk. Um, Rachel Folden, who was on the podcast recently talked deeply about this and she talked about, um, you almost want to think like you're a really fast car, like a Ferrari and you want to go as fast as you can to contact, but then pretend like you're holding an ax and there's a tree in front of you that you're trying to hit, right? We can't hit it very hard if we're leaning forward and we're in line with that tree trunk. No, we want to be able to be as fast as we can and get to that contact point and be super strong and stable. So being able to be really good at that, palm up, palm down, and get good at that movement, that would be the first step that I would take from not rolling over. The next thing is I would spend some time making sure that you can get to not just contact but then beyond, still palm up, palm down, and what's called an extension, okay? Some people call it a power V because it looks like a V with their arms, but that extension should not be happening prematurely. It should not be happening at contact. A lot of young players that I work with, they think that contact is your arms are extended at contact, but in reality, we want to be bent at contact and then push to extension after contact, then we roll over, okay? If you're rolling over too soon, that tells me that you're at extension too early, but we want to be at extension towards the middle. So if you, my audience right here, are my pitcher, 
I want to be bent with my elbows at contact and then extend, push through, and then come off. So get really good at being fast to contact, fast to contact, work on drills. Um, I have a drill on my YouTube channel called pop to contact. My college coach taught me that. And then after that, pop to point or extension. You can also find my YouTube channel. Get there fast. You still should be palm up, palm down, extension. And then pair those with some regular swings. And you should see yourself being in the zone longer with your barrel, hitting the ball harder and further, and stopping the rollover. So that was my cute little version of how to stop rolling over. Um, by the way, there's a face with... Um, like, you know, like when someone's cussing because they're like pissed off like that, that's kind of like the emoji that was given. So obviously it's very frustrating when you're rolling over a lot, but I hope that progression can really help you. Um, actually, I know it can really help you. I've used it with like all of my athletes. Um, but that's my suggestion for you if you're rolling over. Um, also, like I said, go to my YouTube channel. I've done an upper, an upper body progression as well hitters so if you just tap and join that um subscribe to my youtube channel i'm uploading stuff almost weekly on there a lot of podcast stuff but a lot of drill work so that's my recommendation go crush it and let me know how it goes for you great it looks like we have another question and it's about hitting you guys love your hitting questions martine asked this question any drill or advice to stop your back shoulder from going up messing up your form during your swing okay martine I'm going to give you a brief answer to this question, and then I'm going to recommend you go to last week's episode because I was asked the same question. Um, a lot of times, back shoulder sometimes will dip at contact, and here's the deal. When you're going at a low pitch, yeah, your angle's probably going to be a little bit steeper as you're trying to create a straight path to and through the ball, but that's something that's very common, and... If you're going for a high pitch, obviously the steeper we are with our shoulders, the more likely that that ball is going to go up into the air because as our shoulder goes down, so does our barrel. So to fix your back shoulder, um, the best advice that I've been, ever been given and now I give to my athletes is focusing on a strong core um, because if you're extending your core, aka like reaching back and kind of arching your back, that's like a, an extended core. That means it's not flexed, it's not strong, right? It's actually very vulnerable, which is why a lot of people get back injuries and we don't have to go that far um, into it. But a strong core would be, you know, when you do like some sort of a crunch or you're flexing, um, we don't want to like obviously bend over too far, but somewhere where almost like holding your breath, but like flexing every single muscle in your core and almost being able to like, I know some of us have some some nice little fat around our core, but like being able to like say, okay, this is strong and sturdy, like this spot right here, this is where we wanna be at contact. And when we are strong with our core at contact, our shoulders kind of follow into place. But if we're extended at contact, our shoulders are gonna do like anything. So simply working on a strong core, and I've probably never given this advice before, is very crucial to being able to make sure that we are at a good place at contact. If you wanna drill, what I will do with you is um, send you over to, again, my YouTube channel, Ashley Burkhart Training, but go and look at the slow to go drill, okay? It's not anything fancy. It's honestly like a two second drill. Just play it on repeat and then look at the, um, I, I left like comments underneath on like how to perform this, but I can give you like a little Cliff Notes version. But basically, you're gonna go to contact. So let's say my T is right here. Obviously line it up with my front foot. 
um, because you always want the ball out in front of your eyes as you're making contact, but simply working on going very slow to that contact point and from that contact point, coming back while leaving your legs strong and sturdy with where they are. So if we need to talk about it again, your legs, your head should be over your back knee in a stacked position. Your weight should be in the center of your body. Your, a lot of weight's on your back big toe because it's kind of holding you up and your heel is up, okay? That's kind of that position that we want to be in come contact. And as we're there, leave your legs right where they are, nice and strong. It should burn a little bit when you sit here for a while. But from here, leave your hips facing that contact point in that ball. Bring your hands back. Try not to move your hips. And once you can't go back any further, pretend like you're a rubber band and unleash through the ball. Okay? Um, I just stood up like that for 10, 15 seconds, and my back leg is already kind of feeling it. So if your back leg or back big toe is like kind of sore, you're definitely doing it right. Let me tell you. Definitely doing it right. So that's a simple drill that I would recommend Martine to work on um, just for a proper contact point. Um, that also getting there slow to contact. If you recognize that your shoulders down, you can fix it from that position. Um, again, your shoulders are going to be a little bit sideways. They're going to be at like a 45 degree, but you don't, it's definitely don't want them to be like perpendicular with the floor, right? So a good 45 degree angle is a good place to get to high middle and low pitches. So Martine, go ahead, work on slow to go. And I recommend start doing that on high pitches and then kind of work your way down the chain, work on solid contact. Hey, hey, taking a quick second to remind you that it's winter <laughs> and it's cold. And we have a line of softball sweatshirts, joggers, really comfy clothes that are just softball related that I think you guys might enjoy and love. And it's something that we launched last year and it's been a big hit and we have literally sweatshirts being worn all over the country. Um, and it's just so cool to see other people rocking the ABT logo. So if you're looking for some maybe sweatshirts, beanies. My dad has a beanie and he rocks it all the time. Um, or just some other things to keep you warm this winter. I'm giving my podcast listeners a 10% discount on any and all products that you decide to go in and check out. So by using the code podcast 10, you can get 10% off your next order of ABT gear. And if you're looking to go check it out, go to the link in my show notes or head to my website and click that tab called gear. And you'll be able to see all the products from our original ABT line to our winter line. And I'm so excited to see some of you rocking this stuff on yourself. Um, and if you do decide to get some products or you have some products, tag me on Instagram. I would love to see you guys rocking some of this stuff. Um, I'm excited to get these orders out to you if you feel inclined to order some. And just a reminder, if you head to the website and you type in podcast 10 at checkout, you'll be able to get 10% off your next order. All right, let's get back to this episode. Last and final question that I'm going to answer from my buddy, Adam. What was your approach when you got to the plate? What were some things that forced you to change your approach? My approach changed uh, from time to time. I will say when I was the most successful, my approach was I did a lot of visualization before I walked in the box. So for example, I just remember my senior year was one of my best years offensively. I hit like almost 400 and um there was a there was a game where we were playing against like UCLA and they were ranked 
fifth, like one of the top five teams in the nation. And I went three for four that day and literally just like, I hit a home run. I remember hitting like a triple and a single. And all I needed was a double <laughs> to, to hit the cycle. Um, anyway, it was just a really good performance for me. So after that performance, because obviously I was feeling really good, things that were happening in that performance were my bat felt like it was like a feather in my hands. It was so light. I felt like I was barely moving my bat and it was like hitting it hard, which our best swings always feel always feel that way when they're doing less, our arms. I really focused on getting my front heel down. That was something that I knew when I was successful. When my front heel got down and I was able to turn, I was way faster. So um, simple things like that. Remembering what made that performance so successful, that's the visualization practice that I took with me after that performance. So when I went three for four, I really felt amazing in the box. I literally would just repeat to myself after that UCLA game, I would just say UCLA. I would stand in the box and I would say UCLA, UCLA, UCLA. And that simple mindset got me back to what I was doing in that game. And I was like, okay, UCLA. And my body kind of just like figured out what to do because I was, my hands were super loose. I was holding a feather. I could actually see my barrel out of the corner of my eye when I was during that game. And I tried to just recreate what I did against UCLA. And that brought some of my better performances post that UCLA tournament. So I will say my approach in that situation where I was feeling good was just like, how do I feel good? Okay, I'm going to visualize when I felt good and I'm going to go do it. And, and that normally helped me um, just have that confidence in like, okay, I was really successful here. I'm going to repeat that sequence and I'm just going to do it again. So that was one of my better approaches that I strictly remember, even though it's like 10. now it's like six years later, six years later. Um, but that was my approach. Now, there's so many different approaches that you can have. So my approach, if I didn't have a good at bat, like let's say the last at bat that I had, then my approach, my next at bat was, okay, what happened the last time and how can I do the opposite this time? So if I popped up to third base, my last at bat, I'm going to focus on a hard line drive to the first baseman. That's my adjustment. That becomes my approach. So if I had a bad, let's say, outcome prior, my approach then becomes, how can I make that better this next at bat? So my approach then is simply just do the opposite and make it happen and then have that be my only priority. I think, so what were some things that forced you to change your approach? Just like that, like let's say I was popping up a ton and some people right now are like, oh my gosh, I'm popping up so much. Um, simply if you're popping up a lot, simply focusing on a hard ground ball is going to change your bat path and that pattern to get more on top of it and to get through it more. Um, so there's a million ways that I could go with this answer, Adam, but I really, or this question, but I really like it because it made me think about, you know, some of my better performances. How can I take that into future performances? And then when everything's just bad, let me just tell you, so many people have the question of like, how do I get out of a funk? How do I get out of a slump? Right. And so many people, they try too hard when they're in a slump, right? So if you're in a slump, here's going to be your approach. Here's going to be your thought process. If you're not hitting well and just things are just not going your way, is I need you to find the tiniest win possible. The tiniest win possible. If you're not getting it done, maybe it's going up to a teammate and being like, hey, Shelby, get it done. You got me right here. Like, let's do this. Let's get a hit together. And then she gets a hit. You're automatically feeling better. <laughs> like with yourself, because 
because you put that energy into someone else. But if you're in a slump and you're trying to get out of it, simple wins are the key. I remember specifically, I was in college, I was not having a good game, and it was just ugly. Like, I didn't feel like myself. And I was trying too hard, and I went up to my teammate, her name's Mega. Well, her name's not Mega, her name's Mary Beth Pavlik. Well, now she's, now she's married, so she's not Pavlik anymore. But I went up to Mary Beth, and I was like, hey, girl, give me a keyword to think about. And literally, out of all the words in the dictionary... She gave me the word kumquat. <laughs> kumquat, that little orange fruit. I didn't even know what a kumquat was when she told me. But she goes, actually, just think about a kumquat. I was like, a kumquat, really? And I went up to bat and I was literally saying the word kumquat out loud to that catcher and that umpire probably like, what the heck is this girl doing? And legitimately, kumquat, kumquat, kumquat. Face it up the middle. I don't think that's chance. I don't think that that's luck. I think that me forgetting about the craziness, the scrambled eggs, like Sue Inquist called it, in my brain was the reason why I was able to get ahead. Because I just forgot about it and I focused on one thing that had nothing to do with softball and then I got a hit. So if you're in a slump, think about a kumquat <laughs> or think about something that's going to make you giggle or laugh because it worked for me. Thanks for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed and got a lot out of this episode. And if you haven't done the gratitude practice already, I'm going to challenge you again to do it. It's the best way to start feeling good is to help somebody else. And I'm telling you right now, simply by writing and starting your day out with three things you're grateful for in the past 24 hours, that'll change your posture and your mindset. It really does work. I promise. Do not hate it until you try it. Um, and also just taking it to another level, just tell one person today that you're grateful for that, having them in your life, or you're grateful for the fact that mom or dad took you out to hit last night to work on something in your swing, whatever it is, go do it. You're going to feel better. They're going to feel good about themselves. And it's just a win-win situation. Also, if you are interested in all of the hitting things that we're about to launch on January one, and you want to be the first to know, don't forget, head over to my email list. If you're, if you're not already on it, um, head to that link below in the show notes. Um, it'll take you directly to a page where you can sign up for my newsletter. Um, and every Friday I give you tips on how to become a better hitter, how to work on your mental game. Parents, uh, it's mostly directed to you and how to help guide your athlete to become better versions of themselves. So that's the whole purpose of it. And it's basically me talking in your ear, you know, one other time this week in an email. Um, and also you will be the first to know when we launch all of our fun goodies on January 1. All right. With that, I hope you guys have an incredible holiday. Um, whether you're, you've already celebrated Thanksgiving or you're excited to celebrate it, um, enjoy time with family. Don't forget to go around the table and say things that you're thankful for. It really does make people smile. And with that, happy holidays. All right. Stay awkward, be humble, and don't forget to keep smiling. I'll see you guys next week.